Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs. Coming up on today's show, we have a very fun, unique mailbag. You'll understand when you when you hear it. Uh, so we're just going to dive right into it. No more setup. But do want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On Twenty. That's Locked On Twenty Two Zero, and you get twenty percent off your next order. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. Hey! Steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket. He crushes it home. And off the Garland for three. Hey, knocks it down. Drummond toward Valanciunas. Finds a cutter in a Coro, and a Coro thunders it home. By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. Hey, knocks it down. Love hands it off the Sexton feed. Cavaliers by seven. And uh, Cleveland, this is for you. You're listening to Barberton Public Radio 1. Up next, Sports Chat with Chip Mahoy. Sports Chat. Sports Chat. Sports Chat. Sports Chat. Sports Chat with Chip Mahoy. Sports Chat with Chip Mahoy. Hello, friends, and welcome to Sports Chat with Chip Mahoy. I'm Chip Mahoy, and I'm absolutely delighted to chat about sports with you today on Barberton Public Radio 1, a fantastic radio network full of dynamite radio personalities. I'm joined today by two top-shelf fellas named Chris and Evan. How are you boys doing today? Hey, I'm really excited to be here. Um, this is going to be a fun show. It's a little uh, different for us to be on a on a prestigious you know place like Barberton Public Radio 1, but yeah, it's, it's good times. As someone who grew up in Wadsworth, Ohio, Barberton and I have fond memories together, but I feel safe. I'm not in any danger at all, if my family is wondering, and I am so delighted to be here. That's super swell, boys. My station manager, Kinsley, tells me you fellas are the host of the Locked On Cavs podcast. That's right. Correct. Wonderful. And what's a podcast? So a, a podcast is, um, in the proper definition, a podcast is an episodic series of spoken words. Moving on. The audience is in for a delightful show today because Chris and Evan are two Cleveland Cavaliers experts who have watched our boys in wine and gold play on several occasions. Why, these fellas are so entwined with the Cavaliers organization that this host thinks it won't be too long before the Cavaliers themselves offer the Locked On Cavs podcast a deal to be their exclusive podcast. Partner. It's only a matter of time, fellas. Would either of you like a cigarette before we start taking calls from our absolutely electric listeners? We're sponsored by Virginia Slims. I would not like a cigarette. I, I've given those up. No, I'll pass for now. Um, gotta keep my cardiovascular strength at its optimum. Fantastic. Our first call today is from a dynamite fella who goes by the name of Shyamland on Twitter. Say, do either of you fellas know what a Twitter is? My station manager, Kinsley, has tried to explain it once or twice and I don't understand. And don't actually answer that? I don't care. Shyamland, you're on the air. 
Oh wow, I can't believe I'm actually on the show. Hey Chip, how you doing today? I'm doing swell. What's your question? Okay, so um, Isaac Okoro shoots 39.3% from 3 on 3.5 attempts per game at home, but he only shoots 16.2% on 2.6 attempts on the road. Reason for optimism or concern? Or is it too soon to tell? Whoa now, Shai, that's a lot of numbers. Do either of you fellas know what this cat is talking about? Um, I... I don't, uh, I, I guess with Isaac Okoro, like, I, th I think one of the things with him that is uh, particularly interesting is that I, I do think he's figuring some stuff out on the offensive end. I do think this is a player that uh, is growing in real time. I think that's that's really important for him. It's important for the Cavaliers for them to sort of figure some stuff out. And again, it's not always pretty, but every game, um, I think you see a couple things from him where you're pretty sure that, you know, the offense works, the offense is looking improved. And I and I think it's, it's uh, there's a lot of room for optimism for him. When Isaac first was drafted by the Cavaliers, I think he said he was a C-plus shooter from the perimeter at Auburn. Now he's at a B-plus, A-minus range. I'd give him a solid C right now with Cleveland because those numbers are a little concerning, sure. But at the same time, there weren't that high of expectations for Isaac as a shooter coming out of college. And him shooting them with so much confidence, at least, is a reassuring thing to me that at least he's trying to add that to his offensive repertoire. And the Cavs have a proven shooting coach and player development staff that will just really maximize the talents and his potential and I wouldn't be too too concerned about it um, so just to answer your question I think I'd be optimistic but maybe it's a little too soon to tell we just need maybe a larger sample size and Isaac to actually have a proper offseason with training camp and summer league and everything else and to just answer the question real quickly more directly their home road splits are always a little weird I'd never know what quite to make of them um, I think that 10 game road trip that was very West Coast really taints things a lot of ways so that, that's my well you two are the experts before we take our next call let me ask you fellas something how long do you think it'll be before we see our first eagle in the NBA like the bird? That's right. Seems like if you trained an eagle to play basketball, it would be unstoppable. So how long until we see our first eagle playing this amazing game we all love? I don't know when we'll actually see our first eagle in the NBA. Um, maybe if Philadelphia changes their mascot or Washington because those are patriotic enough and, you know, America and sports, they love to shove patriotism down your throat. So nothing better than that, right? Uh, I think one of the, if they sh when they expand, they should make one of the teams a, a bird. I disagree with every word both of you just said. The next caller is a personal friend of mine. His name is Jared K. Mueller, and he goes by Jared K. Mueller on Twitter. Jared, you're on the air. Hey, Chip. How's your wife doing? Still dead, Jared. What's your question? Yeah, I know. I was only joshing you. <laughs> so, uh, what I want to know is, would you rather have a better chance at Cade or a push for the playoffs this year? That's a tough one, fellas. Would you rather have whatever a Cade is, or would you rather have this team be in the grit and glory fight to the death known as the playoffs? So, um, I, I guess with me with Cade, look, I... I understand the appeal of the playoffs if you're a fan. I really do. I, I get it. I think you want to see this team succeed. I think you want to see this team do something really interesting and, and be competitive. And I think the players themselves also would like to get there. I don't think, like, even though like they sort of understand how this works, I think they would just like to be competitive and achieve something on their own. 
But if you're looking at what the long-term success plan of the Cleveland Cavaliers is, I, I think it involves getting someone like Cade. It involves getting a player who can come in and be potentially the best player on your team. I think you need a big creator. You need a 6'5 guy. Um, I, you know, was, there's a very good episode of one of the Ringer NBA shows recently where Jonathan Sharks was talking about the Cavs, and he's like, I don't know if you can build a really, really good team uh, without a big creator. If, if your best kind of offensive player is Colin Sexton, and he's pretty good, but he's not this big creator that thrives in the NBA. I don't know how far you can really go. So I think there's going to be time to make the playoffs to get to make runs at that. I don't think you need to get there. Shouldn't be a rush to get in there yet. I think the long-term health of the franchise is better served by still being competitive this year, but ultimately, you know, getting a high pick. And ideally, I think if you get Cade, you're you're, you're cooking something. I think the Cavs' slogan heading into the second half of the season should be "Fade for Cade." I know Andre Drummond has been a detriment for the Cavs, but it is hard to replace the 20 points and 15 odd rebounds he can put up at any given night. I know Kevin Love will be back, Larry Nance will be back, Matthew Dellavedova will be there as more than a coach on the bench. He'll be a coach on the floor, but I just don't see this Cavs team being a serious playoff threat and I know it's a fun idea and a fun notion especially with this team getting healthy again but it's for the best interest of everybody involved for the Cavs to kind of maybe do a little bit of intentional losing toward down the stretch but you know it's like Ty Lue said it's not about wins and losses it's about wins and lessons and there's plenty of lessons that this young core can learn and the biggest lesson of all is the fact that adding Cade Cunningham would make Cleveland a consistent playoff team versus a quick grasp and a quick dash to possibly a first round exit against the Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'd, I'd take Kate every day of the week, no doubt in my mind. The big drama would be what number he wears. He's obviously not going to get two. I think he'd get two. I wonder what Colin would give him. No, no, he wore he wore one in high school, so he'd wear so one. He would give, so he'd get the, which maybe last worn by Booby Gibson? No, Dante Exum. Oh, yes, that's right. I, look, Dante just got hurt a lot, and then it just, I forgot, we forget that he exists, or at least I forgot that he existed. Just go wear number three. That's my advice to Kate Cunningham. If you get picked by the Cleveland Cavaliers, do not wear number three under any circumstances. That number is, is cursed. I couldn't have said it better myself. Before we move on to our next question, let's take a moment to read an ad from one of our delightful sponsors. Will you boys do the honor? Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, College of Basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Again, the promo code is LOCKEDON. Also want to tell you about the Locked On Today podcast. We're covering everything you need to know about the Cleveland Cavaliers, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Probably where you're listening to Locked On Cavs right now. Good work on that ad. Have either of you fellas considered a career in the lucrative field of local public radio? I have. I, I, I will leave the public radio to Nick Castell, who does a lot of great work on the culinary So No, I have not considered a field in, in public radio, although I really do admire the work that public radio folks like yourselves. As a socialist who's not so in your face about it, I am a man of the people, so I'd be glad to be joined public radio at any time. This industry would eat you alive. 
Our next question is from a guy who goes by Federal Guft on Twitter. Interesting name, Guft. What's your question? It's not Guft. It's short for government. Is in the people who are putting mind control chemicals in our drinking water. Whoa now, Guft. Not to get sidetracked, but that's a very interesting accusation you are bringing to light. If you don't mind, I'd like to call you back after the show is over so we can discuss it further. I don't mind at all. In fact, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, my question about the Cavs is whether Broderick Thomas can be a contributor. Can't in charge for life. How about it, fellas? Broderick was absolutely electric in the reimagining of the classic musical The Producers. Do you think he could bring that same energy to the Cleveland Cavaliers? Evan, do you want to take this one first on, on Broderick Thomas? Well, I didn't know he was a member of the producers, but the same energy he could bring into the Cavs, I don't know if it's replicable for Cleveland, at least, because let's be frank, I know Lamar Stevens is a, a good story, Dean Wade is a good story, maybe credit where credit's due, the Cavs are finally tapping into their G League farm system and developing some talent down there, but I think Broderick Thomas was a good pickup for the Cavs, I think. He's an older player. He's uh, exciting because he's a D2 player that is playing in the NBA. But I don't know. I think if the Cavs maybe are ravaged by injuries and out of the bubbles wrapping up soon for Canton, they didn't have a great season, quote-unquote, down in Orlando. So I think their season will come to a close soon. But I think we'll see a little bit of Project Thomas when the Cavs start making moves closer to the deadline uh, in late March. And it'll be kind of like when the Cavs jettisoned half their entire roster and it was LeBron and a few others against the Atlanta Hawks where Jose Calderon had a career night. It's going to be a night like that where we see Roger Thomas and then maybe he has a good game, but it kind of remains to be seen because the level of competition is quite different between the G League, which are pro players, but not at the same level as NBA players. Yeah, I, I think the idea of Thomas, I, I do, I will say this, I don't know if he's going to be good. I, I don't know if he's going to be as incredible as he was in the producers. I also already had a, went up for Roland Hamilton, but didn't get it. But I, I think you look at him, and I think he's a guy that at, at 6'5", um, with decent size, with a little bit of ability to shoot it and stuff, is like kind of the prospect I think you want to roll your dice on with two-way contracts. Like I think, all respect to Marquise Bolden, but I think the the, the shots you want to take on fringe guys who, who maybe don't even have a 50% chance of sticking in the NBA, I think it's guys like Thomas. It's guys like Lamar Stevens who, who can play down the wing, who can potentially be able to shoot it, um, potentially who can handle the ball a little bit if you need them to, can, and are willing to compete on defense. Those are the kind of guys that you can, can get to. I, I think one of the I think a fair critique of where the Cavs have been the last couple years is that if you look at other teams around the league, a lot of the teams that are in a similar place to the Cavs have not f- have have found guys on the fringe and then have turned them into players. So Houston obviously has Deshaun Tate. Um, you know, Lugansdorf was like kind of like a really fringe guy in OKC and has really developed into something. Like all these teams are able to find one guy in that kind of pool and turn them into a player. Maybe Lamar Stevens is the guy. Maybe Roderick Thomas is the guy for Cleveland. But we haven't seen them really like find an interesting young player on the on the heap in that time, right? We have not seen that um, in the Kobe Altman era. I don't think they've been as into using the G League to scout and things as other teams. I just think if you look at the way they used two-way contracts at the beginning, I don't think it was particularly smart, but I think a Broderick Thomas type, along with Lamar Stevens, is the right path. I thought Dean Wade was that too. He's a draftable prospect that uh, can stretch it and shoot it. Thomas and Stevens are kind of those players. No, you're absolutely right, and if Broderick Thomas was called up, I hope Austin Carr can suit up too, because no other player can wear 34, and we can see that Broderick Thomas, Austin Carr, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, Dean Wade lineup, so we have 31 through 35 out there just for the aesthetically pleasing aspect of that. We have time for one more caller before we go to our next commercial break. This caller goes by the name Stroud, the number four Heisman on Twitter. 
Stroud, are you there? You? I'm here, Chip. First time listener and first time caller. How you doing? Doing pretty well, Stroud, and I would like to congratulate you on your four Heisman trophies. That's a stunning accomplishment. Not actually. Fantastic. What's your question, Stroud? Yeah, so I want to know Chris and Evan's thoughts on Dean Wade. Seems pretty good. Yes, Dean Wade, the great-great-grandson of Barberton's own Anna Dean. I don't think that's true. Delightful. What do you fellas think about this kid? He seems to have moxie. So, I, I think Dean Wade's alright. I think Dean Wade has the ability to shoot. I think he, you know, the game he had against Indiana was one of the better games he's played in his NBA career. Um, I think he's a little more settled. Uh, I, 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 you know, I don't know what kind of defender he's going to be. I don't know, like, what kind of player he ultimately is in some cases, right? Like, I don't think he's ultimately someone that I, I think is probably a starter on a good team, but I think he can be a rotation big. I think he could be your third or fourth big. Um, I, I think the shooting, the, the ability to, to hustle after rebounds, he's, he moves pretty well for, for a guy his size. I, I don't know how much upside there is, but I think he can be a decent NBA player he can stick. I, I think it's good that they're giving him a little bit of run now. I think, you know, if Drummond is moved and Kevin comes back, and I, I think you should still try to give him some minutes and kind of give him a give him some run and kind of see what you can get out of him. I think he provides something, and I think you just got to see where it goes. It's, again, it's the right kind of swing you should take on a play. Yeah, Dean Wade went undrafted because of injuries, and I think, like Chris said, when we are talking about Roger Thomas, this is a high upside play for the Cavs, and it's working out for the most part. I think the Cavs' hand was kind of forced when Torian Prince's sidelined. Um, J.P. Bickerstaff kind of suffers from the issue where he sometimes won't go to some of the more obvious answers in terms of a natural forward, Dean Wade, and kind of stick with what he knows and said sometimes, which is fine. I understand that, but Torian Prince is better suited is a 2-3 and not having Larry Nance or Kevin Love kind of forced his hand there but Dean Wade played really well and like Chris said that Indiana game was his best and more than anything I think Dean Wade has earned maybe some minutes in this rotation of the Cavs this Cavs team is fully healthy and also depending on how the trade deadline goes but also the fact that it gave Cavs fans and maybe the coaching staff a better idea of how a true four and a more so a stretch four pairs alongside Jared Allen and he took eight three or Colin Sexton took eight three pointers the other night and Dean Wade is bombing away from three as well against Indiana, and just those attempts Dean Wade took will be soaked up by Kevin Love instantaneously when he comes back, but he'll attempt even more, and I think this is just a kind of a small sample size of what we're going to get with Cleveland's offense once this roster is fully healthy, and that's pretty exciting in itself, and shouts to Dean Wade for making that happen. Yeah, I think he again. I think Evans right. He deserves a shot, and I think he should continue to kind of figure things out in in that way to kind of make it work for him in this league. We'll be back to answer more questions after this break for our sponsor. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every bar. Now is the time to find out which Bill Bar is best. It's Bill Bar Madness. Today's matchup is actually two different matchups on day one of the bracket. You have Apple Almond Crisp versus Churro Puff and Peanut Butter Brownie versus Raspberry. Look, all these flavors are great. You should try every flavor of Bill Bar you can, but Peanut Butter Brownie is the clear favorite of this little Ford group. It's gonna dominate that matchup. Um, and I, th I think I'm gonna go Churro Puff, another one, because who doesn't, who doesn't love a good churro? Go to builtbar.com or go or to built underscore bar. That's built underscore bar on Twitter to vote and follow along with the bracket. Remember, use the promo code locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order. That is locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. 
Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Wonderful job yet again. For a final segment of the show, we like to shut down the phone lines and take questions from Discord, which my station manager Kinsley tells me is sort of like a telegraph. Our first telegraph is from I am Kevin Love. Kevin Love wants to know if you fellas would prefer Sex Land and Allen with two small forward-sized players, or Sex Land and Allen with a small forward and a true power forward. Sorry about the vulgar language in that last question. I really should have read these beforehand. Would either of you like a cigarette? We're sponsored by Diet Virginia Slims. They're like regular Virginia Slims, but they're laced with diet pills. I would not, um, no, that's, that sounds like absolutely awful. Well, if it's gonna make me slimmer while I smoke, I, and it's cool when you smoke, and Chris is a narc, so yeah, give me one of those Diet Virginia Slim cigarettes. So give me, give me like five or six, I'll be like a cartoon, and light them all at once, and I'll just smoke them all at the same time. True chain smoking effect. He's gonna stick them in his nose and his ears and do tricks. I'll look like a dragon. All right then, how about that question? Would you rather have two small forwards or a small forward and a power forward? So I, I think this question is. I can, I'm gonna. I'm gonna critique the premise of this question. I, I don't think that when you're building your roster, if it's not not too small forwards or a small forward power forward, it's it's finding guys that can do certain things and play a certain style. And I think you just need to decide what kind of style you want to play. I think you want versatility at those spots. I think versatility at those spots is going to be particularly important um, if you're going to continue to build with with Sexland. I think if you're going to go with these two smaller guards, I think you need threes and fours that can defend inside when you need them to, but and, and can maybe hang with some of the bruisier fours in the league, but also guys that can step out and shoot it and run the floor and things. I, I think that's where you're going. I, I also do think that as long as you have Kevin Love around, you're going to be leaning more into that more traditional small forward, power forward setup. But I, I think you want to build versatility into those positions. Because I, I think, like, let's say they draft Cade. It's one of the things I, I keep thinking about. Like, if they get him, and let's just, he probably should start from day one. You, and, you know, are you moving Kevin? Are you, um, like, do you, you know, is, is Larry not, is Larry going to be coming off the bench with, in, in that kind of situation? Like, is that kind of where you go from there? Um, does Okoro go to the bench, or are you going to go Sexland, Okoro, Cade, Allen, and, and you move on from Kevin? Like, what does that look like? I think that's a very interesting philosophical question. Um, I would just prefer you build in versatility, and wherever that takes you, let it, let it take you there. But, um, I, I think you need a little more, I think you need some malleability in those positions more than you need to worry about what kind of, what, what position you're going to label them, I, I think. For me. Yeah, I agree with Chris to an extent, especially with the Kevin Love situation. You're more so, your hand is forced to play him at the four because he cannot play the five defensively. And an unhappy Kevin Love is not good at all for the Cavs and not playing him at the five is an ideal thing in itself. But uh, Billy, uh, one of our listeners, pointed out on Twitter the other day when I was saying like a fully healthy Cavs team, like you'd have a bench lineup that would feature, let's say, Matthew Dellavedova, Dylan when they're Torian Prince, Larry Nance Jr., and JaVale McGee. And somebody pointed out the fact, like, oh, Windler's a two with a bunch of question marks. And I said, no, um, you can play those three, t- three as in Windler, Prince, and Nance, 
well, more so Windler and Prince, two through four, and Nance at three and four. They, that versatility is good for the Cavs, and that's more of a, what a modern team is doing. You know, the Boston Celtics, they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and a very bad coaching situation, and they're not going to be able to surpass, and a banged up point guard, but they're not going to be able to surpass that. But like Phoenix tried to copy that aesthetic for a little bit too, and now Phoenix has like a bevy of wings. And if the Cavs do move on from Kevin Love, and if they do happen to draft Kate Cunningham along the way, it makes things interesting because Kate is a plus size point guard who could play the three, one through three, um, pretty similar to Tomas Sadoransky uh, with Chicago, just a lot better. But yeah, if you really are going to make Sexland the fulcrum and focus of your team's identity and offense going forward, you need to have bigger players that can defend on the inside and on the perimeter because those two are turnstile together defensively. And I know Garland does ha have active hands, which makes it easier, but um, it's just, I, I think, yeah, it just really depends on Kevin Love. I'm a little bit of both. I think I'm an advocate of just, you know, positionless basketball the thing and you take the best five players they kind of fall into traditional roles too you don't want to full golden state it and be playing undersized fives or and like jared allen but thankfully isn't a liability at the free throw line it's not andre drummond so you have the ability and the wrinkle to play a five and you can do a four out lineup with that there's a lot of versatility on cleveland's team and it just depends on their health and it depends on kevin love i think the other thing i would add to that too is like do you, what it i think a lot of this depends on what isaac okoro's defensive malleability versatility wherever whatever word you want to use where that's kind of going for him right like I, I think if you're looking at him and you're kind of considering like hey like what is this guy gonna be like what is he what is he good at right now where is he headed like i think the things you're you're looking at with him is really just trying to figure out like okay like what what is okoro's next step what is what is his ability going to be as a defender like what comedy positions can we have him defend and i think if you think it's one through four i think then like okay like then you're you're sort of building in more versatility but if it's you know if you're concerned that he's not gonna be able to really defend and fours in the league and like again like they're not all fours are gonna come and beat you down to the post anymore teams aren't going like Zebo, marcus all front courts anymore but i think if you're looking at him i think you need to kind of understand like okay like what is this guy um doing in terms of the defense and how what kind of players is is he defending um he's defended like a lot of high level players this year there's no you know mistakes about it um i i think i don't have a read yet on sort of what he um is kind of doing in, in that sense like I, I don't think we exactly know yet what um um, Isaac Okoro's like defensive malleability exactly is. I think it's it's been a lot more point guards, and I think a lot of his best moments have come against point guards so far. Um, our B-ball index, for instance, like has him really defending a lot of point guards, and like this, I don't feel like we know how he's going to defend like your your LeBrons and your that kind of forward who are sort of a four, right? And when the game gets close, I don't know. I, I think it's an open question. It really is an open question, and it's hard to think about this team building process until the Cavs kind of offload and jettison the last few pieces from this LeBron era. Kevin being the biggest one and I think we start to really evaluate Kobe Altman's team building after the 2021 draft because he has quite the assembly of young pieces so far but I think 2021's draft will be the crowning moment on how he builds this team like I mean he could even get Cunningham he could get Kaminga or somebody else as well and like you said Okoro actually is an x-factor too so it's just interesting to think how things will split up for the Cavs but I think they're in a good place and I think that versatility allows them to go 3-3 or 3-4 at their forward rotation. One last thing to note on Okoro, watch how he rebounds. He does not really particularly grab a lot of rebounds right now. Um, pretty low rate for his position. And if he if, if that's if he's gonna play four, he's gonna have to rebound at a high rate, I think. I agree with one of you, and I consider the other one of you my mortal enemy. Last question. This one is from Caleb Norrit on Discord. His telegraph reads, What is the comparison of what the Darius Garland-Jarrett Allen connection can become? They seem to have a chemistry 
right off the bat. And they give me Lob City vibes on certain nights. They can really grow together and develop an unstoppable pick and roll. What do you fellas think? Can these two become the personification of the fast and cool nights of this Lob City Caleb keeps yammering on about? Uh, you know, it's actually funny because Lob City was a Hollywood thing, and maybe through this public radio access we could hit up the Midwest's own Bob Seger to recreate his own version called Cleveland Nights between DG and Jared Allen. But no, this uh, pick and roll threat from the land of Sexland and Frohio himself is a really awesome thing we're seeing unfold because it is just such a breath of fresh air because this is everything Andre Drummond was supposed to be when he came from Detroit where he was a lob threat and a recipient to not only just Darius Garland but Colin Sexton as well. Colin Sexton had 10 assists in the first half against the Pacers the other night and a lot of it was Dean Wade and the, on the perimeter but also a good part of it was Jared Allen just attacking the rim and I think the Cavs could have this inside out identity where they are just multifaceted on offense and I think if Jared Allen does command a defensive presence as well in like these lob situations he also has the mental capacity and ability to kick it out or make the smart player read to either get it to an open teammate or Darius Garland on the perimeter and I think this is just beneficial as well to make Garland a better shooter Sexton a better shooter and yeah it's gonna be really good for the Cavs to build this chemistry and then have it already so established on paper in just a handful of games is super encouraging. Yeah, I, I think it's a real source of optimism. If you're going to think about um, Garland, I think it's become a real success point for him. It's been a real strong point for him to have this lot of chemistry with, with Jared Allen. I think it's really, really impressive that he's he's gotten this so fast. I think it's a sign that Allen's kind of an upgrade in at least some sense in terms of uh, in, in terms of improving himself over over Andre Drummond, and that's that's notable. I think I think you'll need to see how teams, um, how it works, how, it, how this sort of develops itself um, when teams are more aggressive about taking it away teams are already in a situation where they're like kind of walling off Allen a little bit more from the rim than he was able than he had to like in Brooklyn um so I, I think there's there is some growth you could still get here which is kind of interesting to say but what in, in a game for instance that game started off with a lot of just DG kind of ripping that up with with Allen and getting easy dunks and it's 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 a it's a success play there's no doubt about it that it's a thing you can build a lot of action out of and I think maybe if you can get some install time post before you come back and, and over the summer and you kind of get some time to work on some stuff um, and again I don't know how likely that is like this is all sort of in flux in a lot of ways but I, I think you're in a position where if you can develop more stuff off of that and get really creative with that and and you have other guys around you that develop playmaking and, and get comfortable shooting it, it can be a bedrock of really what you do as an offense to just kind of give yourself a, a staple you can really lean on I think. yeah like Chris said call for Ohio Fred Flintstone because he's gonna make Cleveland's bedrock girl but yeah no this is this is a really fun setup I'm still super Super high on the Jared Allen edition for the Cavs. Shouts to Kobe Altman and Sean Marks for and the Rockets for making this happen. I don't know who's running the Rockets at this point because they're just kind of a pariah to me. But um, yeah, no, this is a really good pairing, and I think this is a good foundation, especially the fact with the report that Shams Charania put out that JA and DG are considered untouchable alongside Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro. Like those four are your key pieces going forward, and I think all four benefit greatly from this lob city, Cleveland Lob City. There's there's a better nickname in there somewhere we'll come up with it somehow and make it into a t-shirt but the um yeah going forward this is a good thing to have and it's going to be beneficial for everybody involved with these two having established chemistry and his other teammates as well but these two especially fantastic i would like to thank chris and evan for coming on the show 
Do you want to tell us what's next for you boys? Yeah, um, just check us out every day on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, follow us on Twitter at LockdownCavs or email us at, at LockdownCavs at gmail.com if you want to reach out to the show with mailbag questions and, and all of that. Yeah, thank you again for having us on Barber in Public Radio 1. Um, this is a good time. I am highly addicted to Diet Virginia Slims now. I am on my third pack. I don't know if you guys heard me lighting in the background or not, but try to be discreet. Uh, but my lungs be damned. I will stick through it. I'll have a nice smoker voice, a raspy cough for Chris to put up with, and maybe he'll kick me off the podcast this time next week. This is Sports Chat with Chip Mahoy. I'm Chip Mahoy, signing off. You're listening to Barberton Public Radio 1. Up next, Ad Read.